Hello, everybody. So, Johnny, uh, we got, um, like we talked about in the last episode, we decided to write about London, right? We did, yes. And we both wrote something. We did. Okay, and mine is not totally finished. It actually, I think I bit off a bit more than uh, I could chew in a week. Um, but it was cool, and I think that what I've got is, is cool. So... Um, should we start with the uh, should we should we start with readings or or something else? No, I mean I'm happy I'm happy to start with with readings. Um, I I got up this morning actually about um, about sort of five thirty in the morning to sort of sit down and uh, and and write. Well, I, the alarm went off at five thirty. I got up a little after that, but um, you know, but it was one of those times where I needed to sort of get up when the when the world was still asleep, as I like to say, because mm. sometimes it's easier to to write during that time and um so yeah like again like yours mine is, is it's more of a snippet a scene maybe um i noticed some <laughs> i know you know i i noticed some common themes that came up between this and my piece on saint mark's so i don't know what that says about my mind but <laughs> okay i mean you know. that's totally fine <laughs> i mean i'm always writing about but, uh, uh, corpses and shit which are definitely appear in in my story as well so <laughs> some things you just can't get away from <laughs> yeah and i think well especially now it's kind of all around us really isn't it um the corpses or <laughs> just, just yeah uh, darkness i don't know um i don't know if you've been following what's going on around here but we've oh, had in, a very in interesting in, stuff here, in, in the here in the UK, so but enough of that it's not a current event show <laughs> very true very true um so do yeah, you want so to read yours? I, I, I'm happy to let you go first if okay, you want, cool. unless you want me to go first, up to you. No, I'll do mine, I'll do mine, I'll, I'll, I'll All right. go first. Alrighty, here we go. This one's called Blood Yard. <laughs> so yeah. We're joking. Yeah. <laughs> There's a twist to the name, but uh, I guess um, I'll talk about that later. I, I don't even know if, if I'll get to that, but I'll just continue reading until I feel like stopping. Um, all right, and away we go. Bloodyard. Julia cried at the mirror in her bedroom, looking at her reflection. She was wearing her unused wedding veil, which partially hid the mascara and tears running down her face. She swallowed the last large mouthful of a slightly chilled bottle of claret, or claret, and stormed out of the house, leaving her engagement ring on a sheet of paper she had just been writing on. The page was filled with her wedding vows. She walked to the nearest Green King and sat at the bar, like any American would, and ordered a pint and a shot of gin. She continued to look at her reflection, staring back at her, eyes swollen, when wedding veil flipped back over her lush golden curls. Each time she thought about her fiancé, Renato, or Henato should be pronounced, she sobbed and sipped her drinks. She couldn't stop thinking about him. She remembered the night he proposed about a year ago. They were out for a walk to see where the night would take them, dressed in fine clothes but ready for anything. They had no plans that even, evening, and out of nowhere, Henato got down on one knee, smiled, and asked her, Would you? It was a perfect example of his, of his style, quiet, subdued, but still sexy. She immediately said yes. What followed was an electric night that she would never that she would remember forever. 
Hinato could make anything exciting. He could turn the most mundane parts of life into an adventure. He took everything in stride. He was able to make all of his plans seem spontaneous, no matter how detailed and well thought out they actually were. Julia could never really tell the difference, and it was one of the things that attracted her to him. She remembered their first date, slightly more than a year before his marriage proposal. Looking back, she seemed hypnotized by him. From his clothes to his demeanor, everything seemed so effortless for him. He was magic, but it wasn't his impeccable form that hooked her on that first night together. What hooked her was the way he told stories. He was a Brit, a Londoner, and pronounced phrases like hello and how are you with the locality's typical disdain for the H in certain words. As a detective constable with the Met, the Metropolitan Police, also known as Scotland Yard, he had plenty of stories. After a dazzling dinner, she admitted to him that she was tired of talking about her boring marketing career and begged him to tell her more about himself. Hinato told her about his first murder case, the famous Bloodyard case, which he helped solve while studying criminology at the University of London almost 15 years ago. She had been amazed by the story and impressed by his talent when he first told it to her. Earlier, as she was writing her vows, she learned that he had left out several important details, details that made her want to run to the airport, fly home to Plymouth, Massachusetts, and bury her head in her mother's bed pillows. When Henato was in his third year at university, the severely bloated corpses of young men began turning up in the Thames. Did I pronounce that right? Thames? Uh, Thames. 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 <laughs> in the city center. As a part of his dissertation, he had applied for an internship, an internship at the Met and had begun to work with the famous detective constable Andrew Smith, his future mentor. Despite the gruesome nature of the situation, it was a stroke of luck for Hinato that the bodies weren't found earlier than they had been. Otherwise, Detective Smith would probably not have taken on an intern, and Hinato would have missed out on helping to capture the city's most prolific serial killer since the Shropshire Slasher. I'm going to stop there, because I think uh, I got enough of the story in there. Like, there's one large, there's one more large paragraph. And that just goes into more detail about Hinato and, mm-hmm. and and the case. And that's where the story, the true, the, you know, the actual story that I want to tell, which is the story of the Bloodyard case. Yeah. Um, where, you know, that's where it starts to really come out. Where Because the frame. So I guess I'll, I'll just comment on my own story before, you know, I open it up to, to, to you and to, and to your reading or if you wanted to make any comments about mine. Um, so basically... Um, I created this frame, uh, which is the Julia, um, basically sitting at her, um, sitting in her room, and for some reason, which I have yet to, to include, um, I don't know if I should include it earlier in in the beginning or or if it's okay to bring it in later. But the point is that she leaves, um, she finds something out while she's sitting there writing her vows, something that right. makes her leave her engagement ring and run to this bar, the nearest bar possible, and, you know, get drunk and, you know, as they say, drink our sorrows away. Yeah. So as we as we discussed, like, there's London in there. I tried to 
get some of the authenticity that we we discussed i tried to you know find like the different um things that would resonate with with londoners the green king i don't know if you know mm. about that i do well yeah. yeah i think they're a chain of pubs actually yeah exactly and and a chain of pubs in general was something that i was impressed by when i first went when i went to london the only time that i've been to london um i was like ch chain pubs i mean that's great you know it's better, <laughs> better than i mean i'm not gonna say it's better than like you know white castle or whatever but it's fucking that's a great idea but people look down on these pubs a little bit but also tons of people they're extremely popular so it's a part of the london or the english i guess way of life and uh that's pretty much it i, I threw in the 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 note about um his accent Mm -hmm. and the river and the metropolitan police but that's pretty much where i you know that's that's everything london that i could think of up till this point <laughs> and the thames and the thames yeah exactly and there's <laughs> more there's more it comes there's more geographic things that come up in the story that are related to not only to the thames but also to you know england in general and so yeah well, I think, you know, you, you also added something, you know, you gave you gave it that international flair, which is, you know, incredibly London as well. In that, I mean, in, in the same way that most people, let's say, uh, if you're will we'll say to you, if you go to New York, that's not really what the America's like. Mm. If you go to London, that's not really what England's like. Mm. You know, it's a lot more diverse than most other parts of it. You know, so so you've got the sort of these characters that are quite international in a capital city, which, you know, it's a bit, you know, it's they're there. I think there are sort of like um, sort of many layers to a city. Mm. And that's one of the aspects of it, uh, the international. And then it doesn't blink an eye. Like, you know, if you've got, you know, when someone reads something about, let's say, a city like like London, cosmopolitan, you are, you know, uh, an international flair to it is going to be actually, you know, expected. It's yeah. it's part of that authentic authenticity. That's not to say that you know you can't have the bog standard all, um, you know, English um, East End kind of uh, or Londoner kind of characters, but it'd be really rare in London just to be that um, insular. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, I get that. And so you, that's a good. That's a, I'd say that's really you know in terms of that that sort of. Uh, authenticity is a really really good approach well um, it's like i mentioned in the last episode it's this i do this particular type of thing and, and and use other similar techniques so that i could create this atmosphere that the authenticity is sort of um welcomed but not necessary to the yeah. story um mm. of course you know if i had said something about you know something that like had like you had mentioned something that threw the uh reader out of the um yeah. out of the story because it was so not london that it, mm -hmm. it it just sort of stops the reader you know i i i try to avoid those types of things but one of the ways that i i kind of make it easier for myself to to mm -hmm. to avoid those is to mm -hmm. at least get some kind of a point of view in there from someone who is not familiar with the location because i love writing about locations that i've never been to uh you know it's a nice way of, of learning f new new, yeah. new things and and you can use them in your stories so yeah i think that uh i had a really great time writing that and uh yeah let's let's uh go to yours because we are on a, <laughs> on a time 
schedule yeah. thing? <laughs> well, okay. Well, like I said, I woke up. I, I woke up this morning and I wrote this because uh, the last couple of days I've not been able to sort of sit down and um, and and work on it. Um, and so it's one of those rare sort of times where I'm actually reading something that I've only read back to myself maybe once or twice. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it, and um, it's it's again it's got that um, <laughs> like I said. Well, I'll I'll just say I'll say no more, and then we can gotcha. you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Cool. So it's called the morning walk. Yeah. All right. So here we go. They say London is one of the most haunted cities in the world. You can walk down streets that wind and curve like a Dickensian scene, complete with the faint crying of children abandoned. Narrow alleys in the east that may have been the stomping ground of infamous killers. Names like Soho and Piccadilly that once evoked music and decadence are now cultivated for tourists and status seekers. I used to walk just across the river when the Eurostar pulled into Waterloo. There was only one footbridge then over, over to Charing Cross Road. Charing Cross Station, excuse me. The Thames seemed wider then. The skyline wasn't as full. They didn't cast the sun out of already darkened streets where we once walked, young and free in the big smoke. It takes longer now to get to you when I come back. The train pulls into St. Pancras now, declared the most beautiful station in Europe, even by the French, when it opened. How that must have pained them. Crossing Euston Road that early, the traffic is light. New hackney carriages lack the style of the classic black London taxi that would once shuttle us from bars to clubs to home at all hours of the morning. Bloomsbury, a little village tucked between Euston, the British Museum and Tottenham Court Road. Tree-lined streets and students from around the world, a collegiate oasis. I got the early morning train so we could meet for breakfast. It wasn't a hard place to pick since so many cafes and restaurants had closed in the time we have known one another. As I continued through Fitzrovia and crossed Oxford Street, I remembered a kiss shared, a, a kiss not shared on the day we didn't first meet outside plastic people. What strange times those were. Soho Square seems bigger and greener, but that could be the time of the day. This postage, postage stamp of an area in London houses my many ghosts, Perhaps there will be exercise when we meet at Balance. So that's it. <laughs> Very cool. I see what you mean for sure. Like uh, the mem memory, um, even even the. Yeah, it seems like you're you're relying on this. Um, I guess since I mentioned my frame, I guess your frame is has always to not always, but in these last two pieces, um, uh, that. You know, it's this looking back on on someone's you know, on the narrator's own memories. You know, yeah, and, and, yeah. and that's cool. That's a cool way of uh, you know approaching any kind of story, obviously. And there was something else, uh, the also the sort of ghostly aspect of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like you know these fading impressions that are very clear but seem to be slipping away in a way. Yeah, I, I I have I I have to say I have this um thing about um because uh, well probably prior to lockdown and uh, because of work and stuff like that we used to go up to London quite a bit, and uh, not having lived there for a long time, um and also you know like whenever I go back to any place that I've lived, there's always a sense of like you know I'm 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 that I'm that person that still you know puts my earphones in, throws music on, and wanders around the city like aimlessly, mm. and. Often, you know, all it takes is that little song or it takes looking at some place that may or may not still be there that just evokes all of that stuff. And it's one of my my biggest sort of uh, for me, one of the, the, the ways that, uh, you know, it, it inspires, gets my mind, gets, gets my brain going, really, when it comes to inspire, 
inspiration you know i i'm a i'm a people watcher i mm. i like watching scenes i like i like all, and and that thing like you, yourself you know there's something about being that outsider that um allows you that perspective and that voice that you don't um that's a real privilege it's a real you know it gives you uh, an insight into a place it's people and um you know i i I do enjoy that aspect of, of writing and I do, and it's usually, I, I have to say, probably a lot of the times where I do begin and I never realized that until I, until you said it so much, said it in that way. And I was looking back at the two pieces we wrote um, just because of that uh, aspect and maybe that's where my starting point is. Um, I mean, it, you know, it, 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 like most things, when, once you go into revisions and things like that, they kind of take on a different form, but mm. certainly in its infancy, uh, probably, yeah, I, I sat down, I wrote that in sort of one sitting. So rather, you know, it just came right from the head. It wasn't like a, a sort of, you know, um, I took notes or anything because I didn't really know what I wanted to wa- write. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I thought about how London has changed. That's what I did. And and the, 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 the when it, when it, when the train, the Eurostar used to pull into Waterloo, which I always thought was a really like, you know, kind of an F you to the French when it <laughs> naming the Eurostar station Waterloo, like having that train come into Waterloo. Um, because obviously the Napoleon's defeat. Uh, oh, I got a little bit but, of the French in there too. The, the, I think I messed up the pronunciation, but it's the, the wine that the Brits love or used to love. The, uh, and they still call Bordeaux wine Claret or Claret. Claret yeah. Claret. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's just... Uh, it's, yeah, there's always this relationship there yeah. between the French and the English. Oh, it's it, you can't get a, away from it, honestly. No, no, no. Yeah. So, um, any so, yeah. any other comments about uh, th- either piece? Because uh, I, well, I, I think... have a question, but yeah, a, a, a general so... question. I have to say, you, 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 your, your piece actually was. Uh, I don't know if it's a general question. Was it? I mean. Was it partially um, inspired a little bit like Sherlock Holmes? You know, like I got this sort of, you know, the case of the blood yard, you know, this yeah. sort of feeling. Um, I didn't even, uh, to be fair, I don't even know if you actually, uh, you know, are a fan of the Sherlock Holmes stories. It's, what I, it's actually one of my favorite uh, um, series of stories of the Sherlock Holmes stories. So but I certainly got a sort of little feel like the sort of um, mysterious case. And yeah, for sure, there's an element of that. Um, I've, I'm going to admit something. I've never read Sherlock Holmes uh, stories. Maybe That's I did, not... maybe ages ago, and I just can't remember that I did. But yeah, it's, it's more like um, <clears throat> these adaptations that have recently come out, um, different you know movies that might be based on Sherlock Holmes. And mm. of course, I mean, but again, it's not just Sherlock Holmes. It's, it's London itself, I consider, yeah. especially with the whole Whitechapel what is it? The what, um, ah, there's that movie with uh, what's his face, uh, Johnny Depp. That's about this. The oh my god, from hell. It's, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the Jack the Ripper. Uh, Jack the Ripper. I couldn't. I can't. I can't yes. believe I couldn't remember the name. I remember actually, the neighborhood, but you know. And actually, I've been on that tour more than once. <laughs> and oh, the, there's uh, a tour, yeah, of course. There is a tour, and actually, the person, one of the tour, one of the the, the, the more well-known tour guides is um, I can't remember his name, but he wrote the book that the film was based on, and he actually was a consultant on that film. He, he took great pleasure in telling us all about mm. 
Um, but yeah, the, um, the, the sort of Jack the Ripper thing has always been, you know, it's, uh, well, it's, it's, it's that sort of, uh, it, 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 there's a, there's, there's always, you know, ongoing, you know, interest and ongoing, uh, speculation as to who, what, why, how, you know, um, it's kind of a shame though, because obviously there's, you know, most of that, that area was bombed during the second war, second world war. So those little streets don't exist anymore in the way that in the same format that they, that they used to so when you go on the tour you're not like sort of in front of these massive office buildings and things like that which used to be probably about four or five streets in one mm. um so you know there's that sort of aspect of it but yeah um yeah so about the inspiration for my story yeah it's definitely got this crime thing going on possibly because of the certain movies that i've recently seen like the limehouse golem i think i mentioned yeah. in the last episode but also, I I'm I, I just go through my day, and a lot of the time I'll hear something, or somebody will tell me something about their life, or I'll hear a story, or even just somebody tells me something they did, some mundane thing, like I went to the supermarket and you know stuck my hand into the um, to a large pile of potatoes or whatever, and I'm like, oh, that could be a horror story. and and so this one um i the blood yard it came to me when my wife told me when nadia told me um about her sister and basically going to a vineyard uh, to Mm. work and that she wasn't sure if the place was sketchy or not like it was she was you know happy to go and excited but then when she got there she was uncertain about how things were going to play out and i was like oh shit I was like, yeah, they're going to drain her blood and, <laughs> and mix it into the wine, you know, because the wine, the vineyard is um, makes wine using the blood of the workers who work on the wine, uh, on the vineyard. And then I came up with this, I immediately came up with this word, bloodyard, which is one word. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be like vineyard, bloodyard, but then I decided it should just be pronounced bloodyard, but still one word. And so that is where I got this story of the case. But then, but then the um, uh, frame of Julia and Renato, um, they are, because I tried to, tried to break out of my comfort zone and do something a little bit more romantic. But then, mm-hmm. of course, it, it, uh, it quickly went from her being happy about her um, upcoming nuptials to her crying in, in front of the mirror in the bedroom. And yeah, so I couldn't resist <laughs> turning like what could have been slightly romantic into something definitely more diabolical and yeah and the story turns out you know to be much more you know so i left some things out to create some suspense but i like i said i think i might need to add something in the beginning that gives a little bit more of of a reason for her to run out of her apartment and go to the bar so it's still a work in progress but uh I definitely. I mean, you could you could even almost like uh, you know, because I'm I'm assuming when you were talking about your you know your sister-in-law, that's probably a, a, a vineyard in uh, Argentina, right? No, actually, she's here in Europe, um, oh, right. which is the reason why I was involved in the conversation at all. Was oh, right. she was supposed to come to our place and then go to this uh, vineyard in Portugal? But, oh right, uh, oh, it, but even it, yeah. it, didn't, it didn't work out. Yeah. That's fantastic because you can, you can, you know, you've got that whole, t- you know, traveling between countries and stuff like that. Why, you know, 
I mean, the Brits do like their wine. So. <laughs> For sure. And the whole, the whole idea of a claret is uh, that they are, that was wine that was produced to to such a large extent in Bordeaux because of the demand from from England. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but it's, yeah. And you know what? Funny enough, you know, I, I'm the first one to admit, because I do like my glass of I do like my wine, but it was only until about two years ago that I even knew that claret and Bordeaux were... <laughs> pretty much the same well they're actually not so be you should be happy about that claret, <laughs> well, claret uh is um more it's more of um it's somewhere in between a rosé and a red and mm. it's like a very fresh easy to drink wine they don't yeah. they don't actually sell it anymore outside of bordeaux which is the strange thing but people in in england still refer to bordeaux as you claret. can still get it at, you can still get it at tesco <laughs> But the, it says it says claret on really? it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So <laughs> the, get it. the late the girl in in um, in Bordeaux definitely misled me, or maybe uh, there might be some detail be, that we're missing. Yeah. To be fair, it could be that it's just it's just exported to here. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but completely random on wine. I actually this over the weekend. I had a really lovely Malbec rosé, which I'd never had before. Rosé. Wow. Wow. Cool. Yeah, Malbec rosé from, from Argentina. Or... Yeah, from Mendoza. Oh, cool. You know, which Do you is remember uh, the name of the of the bodega? Or... It was um, no, I don't, because it was one of those things like here, the supermarkets like sort of have their own like um, you know yeah. finest choice. Selection, yeah. So yeah, so it was whatever, and because of that, you always see the label as such finest as opposed to oh so much like who is from without looking at the label so at the moment i can't remember what the label was but uh, we were we were in mendoza for um on probably the booziest three-day wine tasting thing i've ever done in my entire life um but it wasn't one of the ones that i visited then <laughs> i can tell you that much so yeah um uh, the general question that i had was like what do you think about frames because this frame that i used was it 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 the frame itself developed um as i was writing it so it changed and but i knew that i needed the um frame not only to sort of reduce my you know reduce the possibility that i would screw up the authenticity of, of the location but also because i wanted to get so much of this bloodyard case into the story but without mm. having somebody directly in it that it would be like ridiculously long, you know, because obviously a, a murder case can, you know, easily fit into a novel or whatever. Oh, absolutely. But, um, yeah. So I used the frame of her literally just being at, at her, um, uh, you know, in, in her bedroom uh, and then going to the, um, to the bar. And that would, that was literally the only two plot points that I had for the frame, which means that anything that happened and anything that, um, you know, came about between those two points was literally just backstory. And it's like, I'm not, I, w I wasn't planning on going into so much um, dialogue. Whereas if, if I was like in Hinato's shoes and he was on the case when he was uh, a student, then I would have to like put words into his mouth, which I was trying to avoid, you know, unless it was like something very... Um, you know, simple. And I will possibly add some dialogue, but so what do you think about frames? We have a couple minutes left. I feel like I talked too much in this episode. <laughs> 
No, no. I mean, I think frames are important. I mean, I'm funny enough. I, I'm one of these people like in my, my you know, when, when it came to frame, I mean, I think, you know, you're right. You can get too caught up in, in backstory, but then at the first, in the first draft, put it all in. I don't yeah. care. You can always take it out. That's not the, that's not the, you know, never, ever like in a, in the, in the first draft frame, frame it all, whatever needs to go in there, put it all in there because you can always, um, sort of um take that out i mean i i think you had more more of a frame than i did i really was just like uh my, my thing was just looking at um london as the place and i really struggled to kind of think of a of a story and i even thought about going to some of my old stories that might have had london but i thought that was cheating so mm. i decided not to do that <laughs> well <laughs> to uh, to be i don't know honest. if it's cheating but i mean <laughs> yeah. you know it's cool that <laughs> You know, it's nice to to do this as sort of like an exercise and do do things that are new. And I think that we're learning about our own, each of our own styles. You know, not only one another's styles, but like our own styles. Like, because as you mentioned, you know, you now that you've we've done two of these, you you see the repetitions in your own writing. And of course, I, yeah. you know, I mean, I can't stop writing about dead people. Yeah. <laughs> but that makes I was going to say to you. You know, um, you know, your your thing about backstory and uh, and murder and stuff like that. I mean, if you look at someone like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and the Sherlock Holmes stories, you know, those are great because they are, you know, I mean, they were serials. They were done in the newspaper, mm. but then they were together in, in sort of story form. But you get that sort of backstory and the murder in that sort of concise form. So there are sort of examples at it if you want to look at it in terms of trying to play around with putting that into a, you know, a uh, you know, small, uh, shorter words you can do. There's also, I was going to say, is I don't know if you know the um, the Cuban novelist um, Leonardo Padura Fuentes. He mm, does. No. He's a he's a crime. Uh, he's like yeah, he's like a crime writer. So he does these detective stories out of Havana, but they're sort of post, you know, they're like Havana and you know post revolutionary Havana. So in fact, there's actually the Netflix series Four Seasons in Havana, which is actually really um, uh, worth a shot. Um, they're about hour and a half episodes okay. built on the four books because I think the four books are um, I want to say they are the seasons or their colors I can't remember right off the back of my head but but he does he's got this disillusioned kind of um, detective in this post-revolutionary uh, Cuba so um, he does that thing of like you know you get into the headspace of of him as the detective and, mm. and so the fact that he's he's also um, a writer in that respects in the in the web series. Um, so Havana, uh, four seasons in Havana. Ah, uh, four seasons in Havana. Okay. Yeah, it's it's it's, Netflix. Uh, it's, uh, it's on Netflix. Yeah, and, oh, and actually, it. it's also just brilliant as well because it's produced by a Spanish. Guy. Company. So you, it was filmed actually in Havana. So you get that sort of, you know, look at Cuba today, mm. which is kind of an interesting thing if you're, uh, well, I find it interesting. Um, but um, yeah, so there's, there's, you know, I think that that whole detective genre, you can still get that sort of bit. I kind of, it's a bit like the old Pulp Fiction um, and the uh, film, not the film, no, is it then? Yeah, so it's, it's always like film noir or. Um, well, film, film noir has definitely got a lot of like crime. Yeah, detective stories and stuff like that. I mean, I don't. If, funny enough, I mean, I'm with you. It's like I don't. I I love crime. By the way, it's one of my favorite genres to read. I I love Agatha Christie mysteries, um, things like that. I don't write in it, but mm. I do love it, and I'm constantly amazed by um, by how the how crime writers and so put put things together. Mm. Um, quite of an interesting thing because although I do read some similar stuff to the stuff that I write. 
my overlay my overlapping interest isn't in the stuff that i write <laughs> yeah i can i can see that, that that happening to a lot of writers uh i actually uh crime is not really one of my big ones but uh i really appreciate like you said you know the way that they put things together i think that they're probably this more most crime writers or, or mystery writers are the, the most some of the mm. most skillful sort of pl plotters you know they yeah. plot you know so obviously you know the plot thickens and all that um <laughs> so yeah i think that we should do uh, another prompt but not one that we decide let's try to get like you know people to Give us some. I'm um, so up for that right now. Yeah. <laughs> we can we can like ask on social media or, yeah, or even just chat about it later on in the week, just between you and I, uh, you yeah, and me. Definitely. So yeah, I guess um, that's the episode for today. Yep. Yeah. No, thank and you very much, Steve. Um, well, no, just saying like um, I'm up for up for any kind of prompts that come our way. Um, I think it's a good exercise. It's been a really interesting. Um, you know, uh, it's been an interesting, uh, uh, an interesting week looking, looking at, looking at the sort of, you know, noticing little bits about my own writing and noticing little bits about your writing as well. Um, it's interesting to see a process sort of like come out, come out, uh, in, into the public because obviously I think we, we normally look at these things in a very private sphere, mm. sphere, yeah. word. <laughs> uh, it is now. It is a sphere, private sphere, yeah. <laughs> but no, writing is solitary. It is a solitary uh, act, writing, but True. there's also this greater community that we're all part of, and I think True. that that's what we, what's what's been really great about these um, these these episodes yeah. and and approaching things from where we've uh, from our own uh, perspectives. Yeah. Well, that's definitely a topic that we can tackle in the next episode. Um, maybe, uh, I'll try to write that down and, and, or we can just remember to talk about that, the sort of writing community and also this idea of the collective unconscious where we are tapping into sometimes unknowingly into literature without, yeah, yeah. basically without even knowing it. Um, so yeah, I guess, uh, I'm just going to invite everybody who's listening to send us, some ideas to write about uh, could be very extremely vague or extremely specific. Everybody who's listening, if you can just get to us on social media, or if you have our personal contacts, just say what's up and tell us what to do. And uh, basically, yeah, we're, we're looking, as John said, we're looking for any kind of adventure, writing adventures to embark on. Yes. Come on. Okay. Johnny, any parting words for the people? No, just um, hope everyone is uh, staying safe, staying healthy, and enjoying um, whatever time they have on they have right now. Cool. And on <laughs> that note, are... uh, on that note, uh, have a good night, everybody, or good day, or whenever you're listening to this. We'll see you soon. Bye. Take care.